0: Do you know that feeling when you speak to the same admitting doctor several times in a day and you're sure that they're hating you more and more for referring another patient? Hello and welcome to this week's Urgent Bite brought to you by the Royal New Zealand College of Urgent Care. My name is Guy Melrose, and today we've been thinking about referrals to hospital from urgent care. I was listening to a podcast recently between two funny men, comedian Bill Maher and comedy writer, actor and director Seth Macfarlane. They started talking about healthcare, AI, and how doctors they've seen often have different opinions. Hearing them discuss how doctors ask one another for advice, and how doctors can be wrong, and how they feel sometimes doctors are guessing, was interesting, as it does highlight how doctors can be perceived by people outside of the profession. But it is true that we do consult one another for advice, no more so than in broad scope specialties like urgent care. Hearing the suggestion that we're guessing is a little reductive, but it was a comment after that clarified this that made me pause and reflect. They said that at times doctors are making a guess, but that it is an educated guess. When I think about how we interact with our patients on their health journey, in urgent care we will see people at the very first symptom and their very last symptom and everywhere in between. Serious illnesses like pneumonia or meningitis all start with a little choriza. But not every cold heralds meningitis. And herein lies one of the conundrums we all live with in urgent care, not wanting to miss something, but also not wanting to perform unnecessary tests or burden our colleagues with unnecessary referrals. This got me thinking. How often do you refer a patient to hospital? What is your referral accuracy? Do you fear that the admitting doctor hears your voice on the phone and rolls their eyes as they anticipate another duff referral? I think, particularly for more junior doctors, this dynamic can impact our decision-making. So in thinking more about how we refer from urgent care, I found a paper from last year that I think is worth discussing. It's based in Norway, so we must consider variances in out-of-hours care compared to New Zealand. But it is a similar size country, and the same population size, and it seems, from what I've read in the paper, to have a fairly similar system of primary and secondary care to New Zealand. So the paper is called The Impact of Variation in Out-of-Hours Doctors' Referral Practices A Norwegian registry-based observational study It was published in the Journal of Family Practice in February of 2023 and authored by Blinkenberg et al. They looked at the referral practice of of out-of-hours doctors and how these variations affected admissions to hospital They categorised doctors' referrals as high, high, medium-high, medium-low, and low based on referral rates, simply calculated as the number of referrals divided by the number of consultations. They then looked at the discharge outcomes of each referral. So my first point of interest to raise is the mean referral rate, and this was 110 per 1,000 consultations, 11%. The high group were 149 per 1,000 consultations, 14.9%, and the low were 65 per 1,000 consultations, 6.5%. They found that higher referral practice led to more unnecessary admissions, but also that low referral practice did miss some more serious conditions. The 30-day mortality was lower for patients seeing higher referring doctors, but 30-day mortality for patients not referred was not affected between groups. So it seems that higher referring doctors had increased pickup, but lower referring doctors were not seeing patients sent home dying more often. In their discussion, the group point out that high referral rates are associated with junior staff and also those who do less out-of-hours work. They note that doctors have different thresholds, with some preferring a watch-and-wait and and others favouring referral. I do believe that we all have different ways in which we practice medicine, based on our personality, how our brain works, and our areas of interest and experience. This leads to variation in speed of working, and even in the risks we're prepared to take. So expecting us all to be the same is unreasonable. But reflecting on this study does make me think that the sweet spot, the Goldilocks zone, is somewhere in the middle, where unnecessary referrals are reduced, thereby saving money and adhering to a choosing wisely approach, but also serious conditions are being picked up earlier. But how do we calibrate ourselves to be in that middle group? After reflection, I think there are a few things we can consider. Firstly, the fact that experience helps reduce the higher referral rates means that within our teams, junior staff should feel comfortable approaching senior staff to ask for an opinion, and senior staff should be open to this approach. These discussions help to educate and support the more junior staff, but they're also beneficial to the more senior staff. I've said many times before that we learn through educating, as well as being educated. So being an active and enthusiastic consultant, supporting your team, benefits your day, your clinic, and your patients in many ways. And senior doctors should also consult with their team about their decisions to refer or not. It works both ways. These discussions open doors to things you've not considered or consolidate your initial thoughts and our quick conversations and we should be having them. Secondly, I think this highlights the need for urgent care as a specialty. The best way to gain experience and to tune your radar and clinical gestalt is to work and train in urgent care. Urgent care sits neatly between traditional general practice and emergency medicine and those of us who have trained in this area and work consistently in it, will hone those skills and develop our knowledge and experience that will help us find that Goldilocks zone. Thirdly, something again I've said many times before, that being able to err in favour of your patient is not bad medicine, and our goal does not need to be that 100% of our referrals have the diagnosis that we're concerned about. I do not view it as a failed referral if an ED discharges your patient after a period of observation, or further tests, or even by simply providing an expert opinion. If we're not sure, if we have doubt, we should not feel that referring is the wrong decision for fear of being labelled a frequent referrer. Finding that Goldilocks zone of referrals means accepting that we will not be right all the time. And finally, CPD. Engaging in regular, quality CPD is so important. Keeping an inquiring mind and asking questions, finding answers, and sharing the information with your peers keeps your work brain ticking over such that you will make better diagnoses, better referrals, and keep improving. The knowledge goalposts keep changing as medicine advances, and our brains cannot store all the new information. So regular CPD helps keep the engine ticking over, and I'm sure that those of you who actively engage and enjoy your CPD will notice the benefits. When I think about referrals from urgent care, the idea put forward by Seth MacFarlane that it is an educated guess is not actually far off reality at times. So, by maintaining and building constantly on our levels of education, we will only make that guess more educated. The paper I mentioned is open access and it's linked in the show notes. It's an interesting read and it's worth reflecting on yourselves. What do you think your referral rate is? If you have any comments, questions, suggestions or corrections, email podcast at rnzcuc.org.nz. And we'll be back again next week with another podcast. I look forward to seeing you all then. But for now, thanks for listening.